0: everyone and welcome to this episode of romance in color i'm gonna be rolling solo for the next couple of weeks it is your podcast host uh tatiana richardson tati here um yakini is gonna join us at the end of the podcast series so i want to give much love to my podcast partner but we are kicking off our Romance in Color Writing in Color Author Series, where I talk to authors in romance and get their perspective on writing, craft, uh, of various topics um, that are hot right now in romance and what they feel is important to the genre of romance. Uh, but today to kick off our uh, Romance in uh, Color um series, we have a returning guest, uh, author Terry Lay, who is going to be talking to me about something a little different. We're going to be talking about two documentaries that were about romance. One was Naughty Books, which was on Hulu, available on Hulu. Um, the other was Love Between the Covers, which is available on Amazon Prime. And both talk about uh, the romance writing aspect and romance writing community and its empowerment to women. Uh, we talked the good, the bad, the ugly of both Pike uh, pie, uh both, uh, documentaries. Um, Naughty Books sort of focuses on the rise of erotica, mainly after Fifty Shades of Grey. And Love Between the Covers talks about, uh, modern day romance, particularly in the, uh, late aughts, um, to now. So, um, hope you guys enjoy this episode. Sit back with my, uh, guest Terry Lay author, romance author, vet student, and all around awesome person that I'm so glad to call my sister. So you all enjoy our uh, talk about uh, documentaries about romance. So enjoy. And welcome to Romance in Color. Um, We're here with author Terry Lay, romance author Terry Lay. And we're going to be talking about something a little different. Uh, we're going to talk about two documentaries that we both watched um, um, that are focused on romance novels. The first one was Naughty Books, uh, which was on Amazon Prime, uh, which was, a, well, on, no, that was on Hulu, I think, um, about uh, erotica and, and the explosion of erotica, particularly after uh, Fifty Shades of Grey and the other one was love between the covers which was on that one was on amazon prime um so terry if you don't if you don't mind give us like a little uh let folks re- um, a reminder about who you are and what you write um for those who haven't caught up with our past episode with uh terry um in our romance uh writing and color series um so let the people know a little bit about yourself and and your uh pov as, a, as with regards to uh Romance and romance writing. Um, Hi everyone,
1: my name is Terry. I have been a fan of romance novels for it has actually been 20 years, but it's been 20 years I started reading them when I was like 11 or 12. Um, And uh, so I've been a fan since I wrote my first book. and uh that's currently uh the only romance
2: that I have out period I've also mm-hmm. been published by small
1: press um with two of my stories and a couple of anthologies. About, uh,
2: well, um, <coughs> me. but yeah uh romance has
1: been like a current.
0: i love yeah. talking about it um excited to be here yeah. awesome awesome um can you um can you turn your mic for like a, a little a little bit i can't i can't really make out what you're saying okay, hold on. Mm-hmm. is that better perfect <laughs> perfect um so let's just get into it so um Naughty books, and I think let will start with that one. Um, I thought it was interesting. It was a, a fairly short documentary about the world of erotica and um, how erotica and the consumption of erotica, particularly after the rise of 50 Shades of Grey, um, has been so popular among women. And how they people want to make a distinction between oh, this isn't porn, but it is porn, but it's not really porn um and and how this has also been a way for women to be financially independent and things like that um, so what do you think about the documentary overall um or what are some takeaways you have from it? uh,
1: yeah, so for me, I like the documentary. I think that um, so when I actually published my first book. It was after Fifty Shades of Grey came out. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't a part of like the group that was actually in the document. I was more further along. So by the time I published my book, the market was already really saturated. Mm -hmm. So it was like, oh, that's why I didn't sell so many books that fast. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of it kind of gave me that. Oh, okay. So, yeah, the market was really just highly saturated. but, like, even with that, um the entire documentary it gave it gave us a little bit of a history lesson it gave us a kind of more of a um like instead of a how to it gave us more of a what happens yeah. or what what's what's the life like of a romance novelist, mm-hmm. um especially one that writes you know risk more risque or explicit material mm-hmm. like even the conversation about is this porn or is this not porn? Like that was really, it was actually quite hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. No, no one cares about whether or not it's porn when men are consuming the material, but when women are consuming the material, we have a definition of <laughs> right, it. Is.
0: Right. 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 Because these type of stories are not new. I mean, no. you have been looking like old, you know, you know, kind of, uh, old-time you know magazines kind of 50s little noir type of stuff and see the kind of erotica that was going on i mean penthouse there are penthouse stories and playboy stories you know for a reason um you know people just didn't read look at the pictures there were also you know actual stories and articles going on in there too but it's so funny that people are like you said are so consumed with the idea of what women are reading and when women are kind of pushing the industry and the narrative and women overall are the people who are reading yeah. um, reading it um, what I thought was funny was um, how it said that a lot of people like women don't want to because women are a lot of women are feminists and they don't want to be perceived as not being feminist but mm-hmm. at the same time they like these books because you know, there's kind of a good girl, bad boy, alpha type boys, you know, um, in the books. And then there's like this gray area of consent that is kind of hot to a lot of women. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about that? Because I'm 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 on the fence. Like, I, I still think you can have hot and erotic stories with consent. Um, but, you know, the fact that a lot of women kind of get off on the fact that there's like a gray area of consent is just kind of strange to me.
1: Right. I mean, okay, so I, I fully understand you're part of it, but I think mm-hmm. from what I got from it, like romance in itself is really, romance novels in and of themselves are really just a safe way, a safe space to explore. Mm-hmm. Um, but because it's like, oh, I can, you know, go in this place mentally and come out not hurt.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: some mm-hmm. people... Some people can do that and like, you know, co- can explore fantasies of like non-consent and all that kind of stuff. Um, and be fine. Others can't. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And it's it's better to find that out from a book than from real life.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and know? I guess and I guess in a way that's inherently feminist. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They have those options of exploration and those options of you know discovering what you like in that safe space mm-hmm. oh so, yeah yeah I totally get that yeah I don't know for me I guess I guess for me when I hear you know words like consent and and this and this um full disclosure this this um uh documentary was is a few years old but with naughty books uh, both of them are um but it's just so funny to me um how you know writers have to keep up with these like crazy demands or they said they'll be forgotten. Um and I and and what really kind of struck me was I was like, okay, that's cool, I said, but you know, I feel I still feel like it's a there's not a lot of mainstream publishers publishing erotica um mm-hmm. like that. So it's still a lot of like you said small presses, small indie presses that mm-hmm. are doing this kind of work um so I don't know um keeping up with the demands I mean like now we have Amazon and Kindle Unlimited and all this stuff which is making things a hell of a lot easier but I guess you you will get lost in the fray if you don't uh publish like you know I think about Tasha Harris somebody like that who's putting out something every couple months you know what I mean um so its it's, it's crazy I don't know I don't know if do you think that type of demand is, is, is unusual, or or you think it's just kind of the nature of the, the um, subgenre of
1: erotica itself? I think, in general, it's the nature of just business in general. Mm-hmm. So, like, I actually, uh, when I watched it, because I just watched it again last night, mm-hmm. so I at it and I thought about it from um, like if you compared self publishing to Netflix and mm. publishing the blockbuster
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's what happened the only thing that didn't change is traditional publishing didn't go away
0: right, right. And that's
1: because contemporary romance novels are still a thing mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like yeah um, so self-publishing like tr- uh traditional publishing had a hand in really just um deciding what was already going to be on the shelves right, right. like Regular bookstores and all that kind of stuff, because if you were at the time when it was called vanity publishing, you couldn't Mm -hmm. on you couldn't get in Barnes and Noble and Books a Million and Walden Books.
0: Absolutely not. Yeah,
1: couldn't get into those bookstores. You had to go to like the independent bookstores in the hole in the wall in downtown, where you know might not be the best place to take you and your children. So
2: (laughs) yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) So you. what ended up happening is at self-publishing had this really big upswing. And from a business standpoint, it's actually called disruptive innovation, where exactly. some new business comes in and kind of like sideswipe the business that's been there for a long time, mm-hmm. right? And so like mm-hmm. with a lot of more um, non-traditional type genres, like erotic romance and those types of things, independent was the best way to get out there um, mm-hmm. because there is a niche for it. There is literally a niche for every genre of romance. Sure yeah,
0: yeah. Like,
1: as, like that's why no one is really just gonna go away. There is somebody that's gonna read it. Okay, mm-hmm. if you put it out there, somebody's gonna find it. Somebody's gonna read it. Come across it, whatever. the The question is, do you want to wait that long till someone finds it?
0: Right, 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 right. right,
1: right. Yeah. Right. So and I mean that's that's why like companies like Harlequin and Source Books and Pocket Books and Simon Schuster they're still gonna be there because what they put out is still what people read. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And so even, even from a concept of naughty books, the I don't think the message is, which is what a lot of people were kind of hinting at, which I, hopefully we'll talk about that in a minute. I hope the message isn't, oh, I want to write like a contemporary or a sweet or inspirational, but I'm not gonna do as well as an erotic romance novelist. Mm-hmm. That's not true. That's not true at all. That's yeah. not true. There's two... that Like, <laughs> people really, like it's kind of the point. It's, it allows people to pick what they want.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and that's kind of the point of Netflix and a lot of these streaming services. You get to pick what you want as opposed to just waiting for the box office to decide what you want.
0: But, but like you said, there was this kind of emphasis on look how much money these women are making, you mm-hmm. know, in this industry. And I'm like, that's they're a they're few and far between because everybody's not making that type of money that they're talking about. And then the other thing I found interesting was, wow, like a lot of these women's partners at the time were so not supportive of what they were doing. You know what I mean? I was like, wow, like they, they could have been like the breadwinners. And, yeah. Like, their husbands or partners or whoever, not necessarily me, were just like, I'm out of here. I can't take it. You know, you're making too much money or you're, you know, yeah. doing too much. I don't understand. You know, yeah. um, it's crazy. It's crazy I,
1: I know. Talk about that because you're married. Yeah. And I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I've, I've never been married like anything like that. And so that conversation for me has never come up. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I've thought about, you know, what if I found someone and I'm already a writer, so it's not like I would pick it up within the relationship. So mm-hmm. I would go into the relationship already knowing, like, hey, this right. is the direction I'm going in. And it might do this and it might not. But I would go in with kind of the forethought. Whereas a lot of these women that were already married when they got into romance novel writing, that's when they started finding the the hiccups. Mm-hmm. You know? um, we're going to just be nice and say hiccups. But what I wanted to add... <laughs> <laughs> As a married woman, how did you kind of broach that with your husband? So,
0: so for me, um, my my writing has been so. It came at me at a really dark time. You know what I mean. Uh, so, when I started writing um, and being serious, like I've, I've written my whole life, okay. But yeah. when I decided I'm going to buckle down and be serious and go and, and pursue a career as a as a writer um you know I had lost my mom my daughter was in the NICU actually, I had just come home she was you know a, a preemie I had like postpartum depression and the only thing that made me happy at the time was me sitting down at my keyboard I was supposed to be studying for my um my and, and finishing my comps as a, for a PhD student but I couldn't get through it like everything was like blocking me from doing that um well actually writing the dissertation because I had passed the comp But I couldn't do that. So I just sat and, but I was able to knock out my first manuscript. Not saying it was great, but I actually (laughs) was able to knock out my first manuscript. And it felt so good. My husband said, if this makes you happy, then you need to think about doing this. You know what I mean? Or, Or continue doing this. Now, when I said, Jay, I'm not going to finish the PhD. I'm going to try and focus on this full time. He was like, okay, now. If you say you're gonna focus on this full time, you need to go hard. And that's what he said. And okay. so I, you know, I unlike a lot of the women, you know, I didn't keep it a secret, number one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of them kept it a secret, kinda like, oh, you know, um, you know, he's you know, he wouldn't understand. I'm just doing this on the side and blah blah blah. But I didn't keep it a secret. I I mean I, I was I was in the open about, you know, doing this. And so yeah, it, he's been one hundred percent supportive. I don't, I don't think I could be with somebody who wasn't gonna support what I'm doing. You know, yeah. that's not, that's not, that's not the way. That's not yeah. the way uh, it, it works. You know. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Like that. Like for me, that's my thing too. It's like, no, for me to be with someone, they need to know this that this is a part of my life and that's what I'm doing and
2: mm-hmm.
1: be on board like a hundred percent the one thing that I couldn't like figure out, and I guess that's also like a question that I'm going to post to you as well. When it comes to the point of where this is, um, this is our primary source of income. Cause that's what a lot of the couples too, And even like one of the couples that was doing well, the husband was like, you know, I went through like a depression and I was insecure and all that kind of stuff. Like, is that something that you talked about as well?
0: Um, no, because first, okay, for this, my husband is from the Caribbean. That man is not gonna stop working. <laughs> so, so, <Fair. laughs> so listen, he's like he. Even if he was doing a little something, he's not gonna stop working. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because he just, I hate to be stereotypical, and I'm, I'm joking, but he's not. He's no.
1: He's, I live in the Caribbean. They work here.
0: Yeah, they work. You know what I'm saying? They he, he don't. There's no concept of a man sitting around
1: mm-hmm. not
0: having a job, and you know and I that. I hate to sound, you know, patriarchal, whatever, whatever, but in his culture, there's no such thing as a man sitting around not having a job. So he's I mean, going to, even I'm if I saying. made, you're right, and even if I made most of the money, he was still going to be doing something. I mean, he would still do something. So I don't think there would be a conflict if I made more money than him Um, because most of our marriage we've kind of been on equal footing anyway, um, 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 money-wise but i don't think if i if i outpaced him i don't think he would have an ever have you know ego trip about you know me making more money than him which i thought was interesting too you know the men were like i'm depressed i she's making the money and i guess but again we're talking about the majority of men in the story were white yeah.
1: um we'll get to more diversity in the next one but right. not much, not
0: much. <laughs> right not much which is the other thing i wanted to bring up but most of the men in there were white men and so a lot of their identity was wrapped around being quote-unquote providers or being quote-unquote the man of the house of the man of the relationship and so on and so forth so they didn't know how to handle their wife all of a sudden boom she has like this economic freedom that like wow where did this all this money come from you know they they just didn't know how to handle it um so i don't know I, i just i thought that was interesting too you know um the the not supporting their work I would be hurt if my partner didn't support my work and I was very very passionate about it it didn't matter what I did if it wasn't romance writing
2: yeah
0: (laughs) excuse me I would be I would be super super hurt you know you know but what do you think about to go back about this idea about mainstream publishing you know how you were saying you know there's always going to be the the Simon and Schuster's and all this stuff but I think, like they pointed out in the in the in the documentary, when they saw that these indie publishers were were, were booming with this type of stuff, they really, really kind of at the time, like I, said, I guess that five ten year period or whatever, they mm-hmm. really sought out these women that could make them that fast, quick book of of these Fifty Shades of Gray. I think about Sylvia Day and all these other people. Same, um, yeah. Well. Zayn was before that, but they didn't even talk about that in the in the you know
1: which is a problem I have with this entire storyline, but you exactly. know exactly.
0: Yeah, um, we, we can definitely okay. talk about that. Yeah, we're gonna get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, we can definitely we, talk about that. But it was so upsetting to me, you know. Um I did like that they talked to, you know, um the real bodies bookstore and um I like how she was like men were like is this a sustainable model of business and they were looking at them like uh yeah because <laughs> you know our market you don't think we'll open up a business yeah. and not have you know know who our who our you know who our um folks are you know what I mean who we're, gonna, yeah. who we're targeting. Yeah. and you know like they were saying romance in general is feminist in nature so we know who we're targeting we know who who's going to support us Mm-hmm. And you know, their bookstore plus the rise of ebooks um has kind of made erotica, you know, just kind of soar in that idea. But do you think mainstream publishing has watered down the kind of erotica that we get now? I think
1: I think that there is there is it's more of a bridge as opposed to watering down because you can still really intense stuff, you can mm. still still find that. You just might not find it with your favorite publisher, mm. right? Because mm. like I said, both of them are like kind of, everything is happening at the same time. Like it's not like after Fifty Shades, people were just writing all of these romance novels and Simon and & Schuster and Harlequin stopped doing what they were doing. No, right. there was like more of a bridge. So you're going to find more of the, like, the lower heat type of erotica. Like if you're just dabbling into it, you might find those, through a Harlequin, or a Simon and Schuster, or a Harper Collins, you know, you might find one of those. And because that's
0: one's going to be in the mass places like the Targets yeah. and the WalMarts and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, because even Harlequin they have like their whole their Blaze line, their Temptation line, mm-hmm. you know, silhouette desires and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, if you want something a little bit more out there, you might <laughs> you might want to seek out like you know just an Amazon author. Or some mm-hmm. no, and even Amazon has restrictions, because
0: yeah, yeah they don't publish everything,
1: yeah, like you can't publish anything on Amazon, um, some people literally just print their books themselves and they sell them themselves, and if you go to certain conferences and stuff that cater to whatever you're looking for, you'll find them,
2: mm-hmm.
0: like
1: people are really out here, like it's not you know it's not as cut and dry as you think, people find a way,
0: yeah. You know? Yeah, 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 I think about when I went to the um, AJC Book Festival here in Atlanta, there
1: were mm-hmm. a lot of,
0: um, you know, publishers who, um, you know, or, or people were self-publishing, and some of their stuff was erotic, and they say, hey, you know, this, this they kind of had them separated from the other folks, <laughs> um, they say, hey, you know, this is for the kids, you know, this mm-hmm. is, you know, this is pretty much NC-17 and up, you know, that type of thing um some really far out stuff like any kind of crazy concept in erotica i it was there so i'm just like wow that's just that's just yeah there's, like you said there's a there's a market for everybody um so i think it has destigmatized but I, I will say the one good thing about erotica and the publishing of these books and women consuming these books I think it's put women's desires at the forefront now and I think women are now not afraid to say hey I want to do this or I want to do that with somebody and it not sound strange you know what I mean yeah yeah Yeah. that's all I mean that's what I see as a a positive coming out of this yeah I do too
1: because um, one of the things that I, that I noticed is when people were talking about erotic romance is new, it's really not. No, it's not. You can go back to, like, the Victorian era and find it. Like, it's it's around. It's always been around. I think now what people consider new is really a result of inclusion and a little bit more mm-hmm. tolerance.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Lady Chatterley's lover was not, you know. Yeah. You know, D.H. Lawrence was not a little, you know, ha ha sweet book i mean it was it was very, very you know risque at the time you know
2: mhm
0: so, yeah it's it's been it's it's, oh, it's way back, way back, and those are oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: so yeah, and I remember, oh my gosh, I remember in junior high and high <laughs> school uh a friend slipping me a Zane book, my first Zane book, and I was mm-hmm. like, Ooh, what is this and it was right. that thing. <laughs> and that's why I I really didn't like the the narrative of this. I didn't like the narrative of After Fifty Shades being a genre anyway.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I, I didn't because, Yeah. I, yeah. It, 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 because it left out a whole subset of both they only had one person of color in this whole documentary. it was a Hispanic woman. And you know, they only had they only showed her Mm-hmm. And she was the only person. She didn't write under her name. And she had she had kind of a generic name that she wrote under. Um, and so you wouldn't be able to pinpoint like, hey, you know, this person is, you know, Hispanic or whatever. Mm-hmm. They didn't feature anybody of color other than her. They didn't feature Zayn. I was like, well, I was like, I, I I just knew when I watched this documentary, Zayn was gonna pop up on this screen, and and they didn't have her. And I was like, wait a minute, what is? what is this like you know she's been writing since the 90s yes you know and, yeah. and i think that did a serious disservice to their whole message of uh erotica is so revolutionary and that mm-hmm. it explores different boundaries and blah 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 because they've been doing it for almost 30 years literally. and like literally and you can not even talk to her in the document i was very disappointed with that extremely Mm -hmm. disappointed there were no black women in here or that or this idea like you said that this all this happened just because of 50 shades of gray which which came out of fan fiction you know what i mean from twilight
1: it really wasn't that great
0: and it wasn't that great you know what i mean (laughs) and you know and now we got stuff like you know uh 365 dni and uh you know all of that you know coming to the forefront um stuff yeah. from the you know the white pad community and all mm-hmm. that and i've tried reading some of that stuff and i'm like it's mm, not that good you know what i mean literally you know, you know literally I'm... this is when you can really use an editor <laughs> uh, before <laughs> you put stuff out there and i mean I, as i'm saying it as a writer i know i need editing you know what i mean i know i'm not good And you know yeah. the first drafts are terrible that doesn't mean you finish and just throw it out there you gotta you know you gotta you know look through it you have to make sure it makes sense you know it's so, true you know i i'm i'm just surprised that some of the stuff that does get published and that's really popular becomes popular because i don't know how how i mean i know how 50 shades of gray became popular but i don't know how it became so revolutionary because even in the BDSM community the BDS- they were like what is this this is, this is real pop talk like what is what the heck is this you know what I mean
1: the BDS community as a whole hates it they hate
0: it. <laughs> they hate it they absolutely hate it versus let's say I read Harbor by Rebecca Witherspoon which is a BDSM book and I feel like I learned something I feel like I it's erotic it's hot it's steamy it's you know, jumping off the page. You know what I mean. But there's also a plot and the stuff, the subtext going on as well. It's yeah. not just about the sex, and it's not just this. You know, it's not just these. You know, doing stuff without explanation. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, it's it, there was explanation going on as to you know why we're doing this and what we're doing this, and this idea of of, of constant consent and all this other stuff. You know, because there were times in Fifty Shades of grade, there was no consent. You know what I mean? Like. At all. He was just doing stuff and she's like, Why are you doing this? And I mean it was I, I don't know. Yeah. I saw all the movies, I read all the books, and I still was like, I don't okay. Ooh, you were,
1: you <laughs> yeah. were real read the yep. books.
0: Yep, I read all the books. I even had like a fifty shades of gray party. Um, okay. for like the for like my friends because they were so into it. And mm-hmm. I had somebody come over and sell, you know, little uh, erotic stuff you know we made it we made it a thing we made it fun yeah. made it you know what I mean yeah um, but yeah it, it, it I still was like we would love them and then they try to have black versions of this I think there's a movie out called like kinky with uh Robert Richard it's on um it's on it's available on Amazon Prime but y'all it doesn't even touch the surface of what could be or the twa movies that came out you know, they, they don't touch the surface of what really could be BDSM. Or uh, even, like
1: I know we mostly talk about like women, but even a lot of Black men have made a step in erotic romance. Tom mm-hmm. like Dickey, Elin Harris. Harris like, yes. You know, and yes. I'm saying we're missing an entire subset of people. Black people have been making strides in this genre, and literally, we've been bridging gaps for a long time. But, because... they're
0: not, but they're not paying attention to us because they feel like we're not "quote unquote." They're still pigeonholing it as urban lit, and yeah. it's not. And it's... when it has when it has a whole subtext, like you said, of something else going on, if that's not cool, yeah, yeah. So the uh... so the love between the covers book, I mean book, love between covers um documentary. <laughs> Did a little better job in, in in talking about diversity, but the hell they only showed two people, mm-hmm. they showed, you know, Brenda Jackson and Beverly Jenkins, who are who are true pioneers in the genre. Yes, um, but we could have got more of their story. We could have got more of them. I wanted more of them, you know, on the screen. You know, they and there was I think it was filmed at an RWA um, mm-hmm. conference, but didn't talk about our NBA, or that it was started by a black woman and you know all this other stuff it was just—it was so much left out you know yeah. like on the periphery of things um um but there was but they did I did appreciate them talking to some super powerful women like the Nora Roberts and and stuff like that you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Quinn and all these other people that we've seen over the years just you know boom you know um they could have talked to some men i mean they didn't talk to nicholas spark i don't think they showed him at all um, i said where's nicholas Sparks?" <laughs> yeah there was no men. man no, no nicholas sparks um um or other you know people um in here and i thought to myself i said okay it's it's very whitewashed very uh kind of urban suburban mom um and and the readership and the fans, like they didn't even talk to the black fans who are you know who love the genre and stuff like that, you know. And I just thought it was horrible. I I, I don't know. Um, I appreciate that there, there being a documentary out there about it, but I don't know. What are your What are your thoughts? I don't, I don't want to talk too much about it. But what what is, what are some of your thoughts about the love between the covers? Um, okay, so.
1: Love between the covers for me. I fangirl for a good like the first ten minutes.
0: Yeah, because all of my face were on there. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I was like, ooh, that's Brenda.
1: Ooh, that's Beverly. Ooh, that's Jane and Chris. Like, I, because mm-hmm. a lot of the, what a lot of people don't realize is a lot of a lot of romance novelists are also mystery writers.
2: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm.
1: a lot of like Nora Roberts, Jane and Chris those are authors that my mother reads as well, but she reads more mystery novels. Mm-hmm. And So those were authors that she, she, my aunt and I could share, you know? So it's like, a fa- it was like our family knew these authors, you know, mm-hmm. I was in these authors by my aunt. My aunt introduced me to Brenda Jackson mm-hmm. and she reads romance novels. So literally I was sitting there thinking, I was like, oh my God, these are people I grew up like reading. You know, and so I fangirl for a good like ten minutes. Even peop women like uh Susan Donovan, Celeste Bradley, I've read them before, you know, things like that.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: um I did notice that um there were a few more independent, there were like maybe three independent authors in there, which mm-hmm. you know, that was a nice little sprinkle. This yeah. this was definitely more um biased towards traditional publishing.
0: Yes. Yes. Yep.
1: Yeah. Um, which is not bad. I feel like you need both. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said before, I feel like both of them exist and both of them are still going strong. Um, but I, there's a there is a bias in each of these documentaries. So, you know, mm-hmm. it really depends on what's your poison, right? Right. Um, right. And uh, I think the biggest thing for me was when it was starting to talk about um, how literature or classic literature in the past was more about like morality was pushing like a morality thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like how tragedies were written to tell people like, Hey, if you take this risk and make this like moral decision, then you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Type. And that became like the thing that rose to the top, as opposed to romance novels gave you the opportunity to explore what the risk could, could lead to. Right. Um, and I like I liked learning more about things like that because that kind of goes back to yes, romance novels are inherently feminist. Was it diverse? No, no, <laughs> it no. Was, it, it was not. It was not at all. I, I definitely felt like you know uh, there was some some uh, black specks in a white place, yeah. um, and yeah. that w- that was actually really disheartening because it made me wonder like you know where are the Michelle Ollers and you know the plethora of other women, Black women, Latino.
0: the way, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, and these women have w- written for like at least one of the Big Five.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And yes, mm-hmm. Brittany, uh, Beverly Jenkins is great, and I, I often like look at a lot of, a lot of Beverly Jenkins stuff as kind of a a way to learn more about my own writing. Yeah. Um, but she's not the only Black historical romance writer out there
0: nope, nope, not at all not at all, even when she was doing it, there were others that were doing it too, you know what I mean
1: yeah
0: Um, you know, I was like I was like, Donna Hill's not on here I am mean, I just started naming people, I was like, Donna Hill's not on here this person's not on here you know, it was just so upsetting you know what I mean, and yeah. you know, I like like just little specks of pepper in the salt, you know um, and- you know, not even even that not even you know showing other diverse folks other than black people. There right. were no Asian people. There were no um, Latinx people. You know none of that. And and they certainly made strides in in romance and stuff like that. So it, it was. I mean, I know this was only a couple years ago. I think this was filmed. I think that was filmed in like twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, before we shut down or whatever. Um, but still, it, it's it's. It's upsetting, you know. And then we didn't get but little snippets of, you know, the of Beverly Jenkins' whole story of how she became a writer, or, or um, you know, Brenda Jackson. But unlike unlike a lot of their counterparts, they had them again super supportive spouses who you know really supported them in, in their writing and their work. Um, I, I really found it interesting that. So many women were like divorced by her I was like, that's just, that's wild. I was like, I was like wow. Like, that's wild. Like your husband could not handle the fact that you were making money hand over fist. And he was like, no, I'm out of here. This is crazy. It's too much fame. People stopping you in the store. I can't, I can't deal with it. Yeah, um, That's crazy.
1: Or even uh, Susan Donovan, she wasn't making enough in the beginning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and. But I did find it interesting that the two black authors have had wide, wildly successful marriages. Wildly successful I was, marriages. Yep. I was like, "Oh, low key, you showing black excellence."
0: Exactly. Yeah, 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 Exactly, exactly. You're showing so much black excellence, and it made me feel proud because I know so many of us in the industry look up to them. Um, I know I do. I, I'm a, I'm a Brenda, Brenda Jackson stand. Like I keep telling them catalina cove needs used to go on to be a series as a matter of fact it's about to be picked up as a series um i read so um you know i just i just i just i don't know I, two black people and all that whole they did not like they didn't sit right with me at all at all and like these you know the what was the lady what was her name who was like so obsessed with getting on the um on the like, New York Times bestseller list.
1: Uh, I know you're talking about in the Naughty Books documentary?
0: Yeah, I can't think of her name, but that was that one author who was so obsessed about making it to Amazon or making it to this. And, you know, and I was like, okay, I get that. I get that you want that success, but can't we measure success differently? Because differently? Yeah. I feel like a Brenda Jackson or a uh you know anybody else would, would tell you that success is somebody coming up to you saying oh this book changed my life yeah. it made me feel like you know anything I can you know as a black woman I can have a happily ever after
2: yeah. or
0: whatever you know um I don't know it was so I don't yeah. know so much it was a was business driven mm-hmm. um I did find it interesting how um in the um love between the covers like the fan clubs for some of these authors were mm-hmm. so big and even, mm-hmm. and and they sometimes even help to micromanage the author's life mm-hmm. i got a little i got a little um i don't know i, I got a little uh hesitant about that because you know the first thing i thought about was selena <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna lie the first thing i thought about was selena and I was like, oh, my God, if this woman gets obsessed with you, then, you know, what the hell? You know, what's going to happen? You know, right. I, I don't know. I just started thinking about how that woman in her fan club and how she was taking care of stuff. And she, inter- you know, integrated into her life. I don't know. How do you feel about that, about somebody being that close as a fan and then you hiring them? So I, I don't think
1: I can do it. I personally don't want to do that. Um I do at some point want to have an assistant. But yeah. I don't know like, I've worked with a fa- like a person who was a fan of my work before and it did not go well. Um mm-hmm. it's because like there there's for the simple fact boundaries. Like mm-hmm. you need like I don't I don't need for you to also be like, "Hey, let's take her business also when are you finishing that draft." I don't I don't mm-hmm. need to, I'm already putting pressure on myself. And I've already got pressure. If I'm if I'm a traditionally published author, I'm already getting pressure from the publishing company and editors and all that kind of stuff. I don't need additional pressure from someone I'm paying. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: right. You know? right. Right. Right.
1: Like, no, I don't. I don't want that. I don't like that at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I will say I did like the idea of having an assistant. I just don't want a fan as an assistant. So how big I,
0: you have to be to get an assistant? I mean. I would think I'd have to be Nora Roberts be to have it. Nora Roberts has an assistant, a publicist, probably has ever all of that. Okay, um, yeah. but you know, um, I just, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, like, I don't know if I want to hire somebody out of the fan area to, you know, help me with it. I I don't know. I don't know. I just, I'm just a little leery about that.
1: Yeah,
2: I agree with you. I agree
0: with you. Yeah.
1: Um. Okay, so this is kind of flipping back to Naughty Books. Mm-hmm. What did you think of Kelly Blaine, a.k.a. Jamie Blair? Kelly Maine, a.k.a. Jamie Blair? Who is that again? She was the one who, um, she saw how much authors were making doing erotic romance. Oh, yeah,
0: though- look, I, I'm, I'm glad, okay, you figured no, So, the lady who was really a YA author? Mm -hmm. trying to get her ya out there but it wasn't really popping so she's like well in the meantime let me just write this erotica and then the erotica took off and Mm -hmm. then the ya kind of just is languishing Mm -hmm. um see i guess see what happens that's what happens when you you're out there trying to make a quick book um and her true I, i think for her She's realizing that her true passion is suffering behind chasing a trend. Yes. And that's why I was like, you don't need to chase writing isn't about chasing trends. Writing is about putting down your heart and soul on a piece of paper and they take it or leave it. Period. Mm -hmm. And her chasing this trend of erotica just so she can get published and she's making the money. And now she feels beholden to stay in there.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Um to make this money. And I, don't, I don't think that's a good feeling. I think she was highly depressed about it. And kind of regretting her choices. She to do was. That. Yes, yes. She was regretting, regretting her choice to do that. And I remember she was sitting around and that's the lady who was sitting around a table uh, with her friends. And, she, and then she was talking about the book. And she's like, oh, I don't know when it's going to come out. And, you know, they want me to do another blah, blah, blah book. But, you know, I, I really want to do this. And I, I want to write under my name. I don't want to write under, you know, you know, this book or whatever but she was really really she was upset I think she was really upset yeah yeah
1: yeah I think for me it was the snobbery that I didn't Mm. care Mm. um and I literally I wrote this down right after I said just because something isn't for you doesn't mean it's inferior to you
0: yes and I feel like
1: I feel like that's the lesson that I learned from her. I learned a lot from, like, a lot of the different authors, and that's the lesson I learned from her. Because she, she was like, you know, I wanted all these plot points and all this kind of stuff, and uh, romance, uh, don't want a lot of complicated. And I'm like, there are complicated romances.
0: romances. Like, what are you talking about, lady? <laughs> there are plenty of <laughs> complicated romances. Oh my God. I'm, like,
1: I'm like, what are you reading? There are complicated romance novels. There are whole mashups of genres, including romance novels. Like Harlequin Intrigue is just the old school mystery novel under the Harlequin umbrella.
0: Yeah, with a little romance romantic suspense. You know yeah. what I mean? Romantic yeah. suspense is still popping. People love romantic suspense, you know. Yeah. That's you know, always um,
1: but that's always been a thing though. That's not that's not even something new. You just put it 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 isn't. You just put another name on it and i'm like what what books are you reading like and I'm, I'm not saying that like you know you you can't have i'm not saying that you can have one or the other where you can have complicated and a lot of sex people like a plethora of things they do they you do. really just find your niche and the like i said before the question is really are you willing to wait long enough to find right. your people
0: and you brought up such a good point are you willing to wait to find your niche because is it you are you chasing the trend chasing the dollar in the end is i feel like it's going to give you far more inferior work and i'm not talking about inferior as in what you writing i mean inferior as in you know you're not going to be pleased with what you're doing you know what i mean um and for her to be like rom- romance is not want plot points yeah i remember that That was that was that was a sticking point with me too. And I was like, what do you mean, like ladies? There's plenty of (laughs) there is plenty of romance that's like, you know, so in depth and so intriguing and so, you know, suspenseful. And there are things that we've read over the years that people people classify as just general fiction that are really romances. I mean, you know what I mean? And that have really, really complicated, you know plot points and stuff like that or or deal with heavier subjects race discrimination whatever 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 or their romances too you know um so i don't know i don't know what she's trying to be or who she's trying to be um you know i don't know i really don't i mean i hope her i hope that her ya kicked off boy and she's still not quote unquote languishing in this whole um you know, area of romance that she doesn't want to be in, but you know.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I wish her nothing but the best. But I I will say, um, for anybody out here that's kind of thinking along the same lines, I have never written something that I didn't like that also had good quality.
2: hmm mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: You know, like typically if I'm gonna write something now mind you, to the average person, it might seem okay. It might seem pretty great. But
0: But for
1: you, yeah, and for people that read things that I like, you know, read things that I put out, they'll notice the difference. Mm -hmm. Like your fan base, especially, will notice the difference, yeah, because the the level of heart, like you said, there's a level of heart that you put into the things that you like. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And she might be, and I I believe she's a very skilled writer. Um, Mm -hmm. if she can write across different genres, I do believe she's a very skilled writer, but there's. There's a vast difference in writing something that you enjoy versus writing something for, for just for money.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Like and to go back to the love between the co- the um, covers, you made a good point of showing how diverse I think romance writing is some of the diverse, most diverse group of people out there because romance touches so many other genres. Um, so like you brought up like Nora Roberts, she also is JD Rob, you know what I mean? I think about Alyssa Cole, who write literally in every genre. Alyssa yeah. Cole, there's a there's not a genre that woman has not touched and it's not been good. Why? Because she's passionate about what she does. You yes. Know, I've literally read every like, I mean, that when no one was watching, my God, that was a that was a masterpiece. It was good. And that, I mean, and it was it was it was, it was wonderful. And I, I thought to myself, oh, my God, this woman can write anything. Science fiction, historical romance, contemporary romance, fairy tales. I mean, what, what can the woman not write? You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, when you're passionate about it, it's going to show in your work. You know, it's going to show in the work. And what's funny is men particularly look down on romance as not being, you know, elevated, so to speak but then don't realize like somebody said don't realize that a lot of their fa- favorite mystery writers or this person or that person is um a romance writer as a matter of fact I told my husband I was like oh you got a JD Robb on the um on the uh on the bookcase and he's like oh yeah JD Robb's a, a mystery writer you know I, I looked at him right he's like what I said do you know who JD Robb is And he's like no I said Nora Roberts he's like no i said, like, yes he had been. He has said several books up there. I yeah. they write under. I said, said they write under multiple names in different genres all the time. Mm-hmm.
1: And oh, I mean, yeah. in all in all of the genres, there are literally women that wrote under male names. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they and people still to this day are figuring it out. And I'm like, women have literally been writing the whole time.
0: <laughs> the whole time, you know. The if there whole was how uh,
1: women were writing on it like just just accept it we've literally been doing this the entire time and i remember even in the documentary i was thinking about how um like if you watch some of the older uh movies they talk about how romance weakens the mind of the woman yes yes mm. I said the amount of lies people tell to try to keep women from thinking for themselves is hilarious to me.
0: But you, know what, but you know what's funny? They said the same thing about Victorian lit and things like that. That it, you know, back then it was you know just literature for women who, who you know stayed at home and had privileged lives and who could read. You know, mm-hmm. marriage of convenience books and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. marriage plot. Uh, and all that stuff and you know now it's part of the canon it's part like you can't you can't leave school without reading you know Bronte and all these other folks you know and Jane Austen and stuff but you know back then people looked down on it and said oh this is not this is a real literature this isn't talking about anything you know blah 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 so I mean attitudes change you know who knows what would be taught in you know what romance will be part of the canon, you know, going on down the line, you know. But overall, what did you think about both both of them? Or I mean, we talked about areas of improvement. But overall, what did you think about
1: both documentaries? Which was stronger to you? Um. Overall, I think I think both of them are good in their own ways. Mm-hmm. I think I know me personally. I took a lot of notes. On both of them Um, I enjoyed like learning each author's formula for writing Mm -hmm. Um, because especially especially you know the the ones that I that I read often like Beverly and Brenda and Nora Mm -hmm. talk about what they like in a book and that's literally exactly what they write right you know I'm like oh they have a formula just like everybody else has a formula what Mm -hmm. is the Formula. And it kind of helps you grow more as a writer when you start kind of figuring out what you like as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I I literally approach it more so as a learning experience, mm-hmm. um, uh, because if I get into more of, like, just watching it as a regular person, like, if I watched it as a regular fan, I would be disappointed.
0: Mm-hmm. You get what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. that
1: we just talked about, if I watched it as a regular fan, I would be disappointed. But if I approach it as like, oh, let me learn about, you know, this field that I'm in and that I'm a fan of, um, you know, I tend to enjoy it more. And so that's kind of how I, that's how I make it through. That, that, right. 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 Um, I do think there's a vast need for improvement, a vast need for updates, um, an upgrade. Like even, I don't think that a, a person of the LGBTQIA community would be impressed either.
0: They only showed one queer person in that whole the doctor, remember, who, um, who uh wrote at night. Which, uh, honey, her writing these books at night, and (laughs) she's a surgeon. What in the world? How did she do that? I'm just, I'm still, I am still baffled by her work ethic. Um, but she was the only person, and, and I did like the fact that again, they showed some queer folks now, no queer people of color, but some queer folks. Kind of engaging in the in the genre and trying to make it their own and have their own voice. And they even had like a little mini conference, you know what I mean, going on with what that what what they were doing with that particular author. on her. I guess she had a farm or something like that. Um, yeah. And her her having kind of a smaller press where she's getting out um, other people's work. I meant to look it up. I meant to I wrote it down to look it up um, and see if she's still um, putting out stuff. But I forgot. <laughs> I totally <laughs> forgot. Um, but I was I was impressed though um, that she's she's still putting out some stuff. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. So yeah, this has been fun talking about this. this is, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, we'll have to get back together again. And when you have something new out, hit me up and we'll we'll talk all about it. <laughs> let the the folks know what you're working what are you working on right now are you working on anything
1: i am i'm working on um a new novella um currently it is um it is a like a polyamorous triad novella novella
0: oh wow okay
1: yeah yeah because in in my last book it was like you know the threesome happened, but then the main character ended up with like just one of the guys, right. which is fine. Nothing wrong with that. But I also wanted to kind of explore: what if they didn't break up? And it's it's an exploration for me. And hopefully, when I put it out, other people will like it. And if they don't, I put it out. That's that's a success for me. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> the way getting it out there, getting it on on paper um is is success so you know we wish you much success here at um, romance and color and you know thanks for stopping by thanks for talking uh romance docs with me (laughs) and um i wish you all the best all the best in your um studies and
1: in your writing thank you so much thanks